Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Why don't we stand on our feet and please open your Bible? I'm going to read from Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. I'm just waiting for everybody to get there. Proverbs 21, the very last verse. We will read it together in whatever translation that you have. One, two, go. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. And so in some translations it says safety, in some translations it says deliverance, in some translations it says victory. But then when I think about this verse, I think, what could have happened if the horse fails? What could have happened if the day of battle, your horse decides that that's not the day to go out? But the Bible says that victory is of the Lord, meaning that God will make sure that those things don't fail. Brethren, I want to congratulate you because we are getting towards the end of the year. Every plan you made, God helped you. Everything you laid your hands upon to do, God supported you. Why don't we lift up our voices to heaven just for two minutes, just to appreciate God and say, God, I thank you because my horse did not fail in this year. I thank you, God, because my plans did not fail in this year. I thank you, God, because as a family, our plans did not fail. I thank you, God, because as a family, our love did not do do. I thank you, God Almighty, because we were ready, we were in the right places at the right time. I thank you, Father, for helping my children. It is one thing for you to teach your children. It's another thing for them to listen to your voice. It's another thing for them to do what you've told them to do. Why don't you thank God for your husband? Why don't you thank God for your wife? Why don't you thank God for your marriage? Why don't you thank God because the victory is of the Lord? Why don't you bless his holy name? Because he has brought you thus far. He has cancelled every sorrow. He has cancelled every shame. He has cancelled every sickness. He has cancelled every disgrace. Why don't you lift up your voice and say, God, we bless your holy name. Thank you, God, for January up until this day in December. Oh, thank God for your job. Some of you have changed jobs. Some of you have changed jobs multiple times, even in the time of famine. Some of you have done new things. Why don't you just say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we appreciate you. Some of you have bought new houses. Why don't you say, Father, we thank you. Oh, every day there is something for you to eat. Every day you are not going naked. Every day you are not sleeping on the streets. Why don't you lift up your voice and say, Lord, we just thank you. I thank you, God Almighty, because my horse is getting stronger. I thank you, Father, because heaven will help me, O God. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, we have prayed. Just to pray and prophesy into the new year, you want to pray for your family. And you want to say, Lord, as we go and gradually prepare for the new year, Lord, open my eyes to see the things that need to be changed. Open my eyes to see the things that need to be modified. Open my eyes to know where to go, where to be. 
Open my eyes to know what to say, what to keep, and what to share. Open my eyes, oh God, let's begin to pray. And say, God Almighty, open my eyes to know where to invest. Open my eyes, oh God, to know the real meaning of, the, of, of Christmas. Open my eyes to feel the real joy of Christmas. Open my eyes, oh God. Lord, may I see what only you can show a man to see. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Lastly, you want to pray for the word that will be coming this morning? You want to pray that the Lord will speak a word unto your circumstance? You want to pray that the Lord will encourage you, that the word will build you up? You want to pray, the Bible says that Jesus said that Mary has chosen the better part. You want to pray that the better part of today, that you will receive it. But then lift up your voice and pray with me this morning and say, God Almighty, let your word comfort simply and with authority. Let your word comfort, O God, undiluted in the name of Jesus. Father, we appreciate you this morning for your mercy. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' wonderful name, we have prayed. And so, Father, we want to thank you for men, women, and children. We thank you, Father, for couples. We thank you for the single. We thank you, Father, for every stage of life that your people might find themselves in. Lord, we give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God Almighty, for we hear good news from afar from children. Thank you, God, because husbands hear good news from their wives. Thank you, Father, because wives hear good news from their husbands. Thank you, God, because we hear good news from our parents. Father, let your name be glorified. Lord, we want to thank you for helping our children in this month of their examinations. Thank you, Father, for helping the university students. Thank you for helping the high school and the middle school students. Father, we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Lord God Almighty, we pray that as a church that you will teach us again today. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that the things that we did not know before, Lord, teach us. The things that we knew that we have forgotten, Lord, remind us. The things that our eyes have been blinded to. Lord, open our eyes, O God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the word come forth and let your glory come down. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen Amen and amen. Why don't you please have your seats? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so as I continue to encourage each and every one of us, as we prepare towards Christmas, um, I believe today is the 12th of December. So it means that in another 13 days, and if you are the kind of person that stays awake on the 24th, then it means that you have less than 13 days. Praise the Lord. Christmas is a time of joy. It's a time of peace. It's a time of goodwill. It's a time that you don't even, in fact, it's a time that God has given everybody an excuse to give something. Amen? It's a time that you find out that people that don't even believe in your faith, they give something. People give something to people that have helped them during the year. And so as Christians, let us remember that Christmas is about giving. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we have been dealing with the subject, how to obtain the promises of God. And we looked at some of those promises. There are so many that we cannot sit down here and list them one by one. 
I had told you that even if you were to mark the promises of God in Scripture alone, in the New Testament, there are more than 750 of them grouped into about 250 categories. Every single blessing you can ever think about, they are there. There are blessings concerning protection. Under protection, there is protection from the weather. There is protection from evil. There is protection from evil forces. There is protection that God promises his children in scripture. There is provision. God promises his children provision. God promises his children that he will lead you, he will guide you. And so in every single chapter of scripture, especially in the New Testament, you will find that there are promises that God has given us. Now, you will also notice that when we started, we said that what we need to do is that, number one, we said we will accept the promise that is for me. When you accept the promise that it is for you, you acknowledge it and you put yourself in line of the promise. After that, you train yourself to believe God no matter what. The Bible says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. A lot of times when God gives a promise, it sounds out of this world. And indeed, it is out of this world. Because the promise is not coming from man. The promise is coming from God. And then we said that after you have done those two things, you have laid the foundation because the Bible says that when you believe God, that Abraham believed God, he counted it for righteousness, meaning that it was in right standing with God. And so after you are in right standing with God, then you need to then open your mouth. If you, list, if you go back to all those things I listed A to H, the only one that involves active speaking is the one that says you confess. And I remember saying that because I, I was not going to extend it to P, then it means that confession has incorporates prayer. Amen. Now, because it incorporates prayer, it means that those two things, you need to do them first. You cannot pray about something you have not accepted. You cannot pray for something you don't believe. Are we together? Then I went last week and I said the D is one of the ones that action is required of you. Whenever you think in your mind, there are two possibilities. It is either you act out your thoughts or you speak your mind. That is why we say that a thought is an unspoken word or an action that has not been carried out. For example, you can decide that I am going to go to church. That's a thought. Are we together? When you stand up and you start moving, that is the action. And so it is the same thing. When you believe God and you confess, that action begins to place you in the right place for that promise. Now, when it comes to prayer, actually concerning the promises of God, we need to understand what do you pray for. It is one thing for me to know that God has promised something, but then my prayer is not in line with what God has promised. 
Matthew chapter 6. I like this verse, and so I'm going to use it as my text. Matthew chapter 6. I will read from verse 25. Let me wait for some other people to get there. Matthew 6, 25. It says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet your body, what you shall put on. He's talking about nakedness there. He said, it's not life more than what? Meat and the body more than raiment. Now, he now says in verse 26, he says, behold. Now, of course, a lot of scholars believe that as he was talking to them, it's just like, don't forget that they were talking in an open air. They were not talking in a church setting. As he was talking to them, some birds were flying. And so he points to the birds, and everybody looks at the birds, and he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't even put in bands. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says, are you not much better than they? Are you not much better than day. I have taken time over the years to try and study this passage because I have heard the passage used in a lot of instances, either rightly or wrongly, and I have realized that it seems sometimes we are not getting what we need to get because we are not understanding where Christ is coming from. Everything always has to do with context. When you look at the context of a bird, it is true, the bird does not plant. It is true, the bird does not reap. It is true that the bird does not have any store, but yet, I am yet to see a bird fall from the sky because of starvation. So that means somehow, God is providing for them. Right? Now, if God is providing for them, then it means that that same God, and if Christ is using this example, that same God wants to provide for me the way he's providing for them. And even better, he says, am I not better than the fowls of the air? The first thing I want you to note in this passage, and when it comes to prayer, is that the promise of God is not a call to laziness. That's the first thing. Because I hear people say, the Bible says that God will provide for me. It is true. <laughs> but the same Bible says in Proverbs, that the I do so shall do what? Shall suffer hunger. The Bible says, a little sleep, a little slumber, Aha, thank God you know the verses. Right? So when God says, look at the beds of the air, and he says, I am going to feed you even better than them, it means that there is something I need to do in order for me to be in the right place for the blessing. 
Now, there's something called instinct. I thank God for where I live. I live a little bit. I tell people that uh, when I didn't have money to buy land in the city, I went into the bush. And so sometimes you will see on my windowsill a bird will come and put his nest there. One day I went out, and God forgive me. I didn't know that the nest was still wet. I saw it and I removed it. And I noticed that the bed kept on coming back there. Are you getting it? Three different times when I removed it, he put it back there again. And then I thought to myself, why must you build your nest on my windowsill? That tells me one thing. You know, every day we, there's a passage that we quote that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That bed has no house. That bed has nothing. But that bed, even without praying, that bed is directed by instinct to where it can build its nest. So how do you pray? Number one, you pray that the Spirit of God will direct you. That's the first thing. That God let your spirit direct you. Number two, you pray that the Spirit of God will open your eyes. You know, I've often wondered that why is it that we pray and we receive some blessings but we don't receive others? Number three, you want to pray that you'll be in the right place at the right time. Does that matter or not? It matters. Number four, you pray that you will hear the voice of God. All of those prayers will put you in line to receive the blessing. Let me give you one example, and I like going back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 5, And every plant of the field, before it was in the earth, and every herb before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Meaning that those things had not grown, nobody had planted them, right? By the time you get to verse 15 in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to do what? To dress it and to keep it. Now, between chapter 5 and chapter, uh, between verse 5 and 15, the Bible does something. We are reading now in retrospect. The Bible lists all the things that God did in preparation before he put the man there. The Bible says God realized that this man will need rivers, water. So he put four, he put a river that went in four places, right? The Bible says that this man will need minerals in the earth, even though he didn't know what to do with it. And the Bible says that the gold of that land was good. Brethren, do you know how many places that you are sitting on that there is gold? But you are not seeing it. That's how you pray that God will open your eyes. And so the promises of God, God is not going to dig out the gold. Who is going to dig out the gold? Me. But for me to dig out the gold, I need the Spirit of God to direct me so that I am not praying and I am not walking in the wrong places. Are we together? Now, when you go on then you will understand that every prayer that you pray 
may not necessarily be answered. For example, Abraham prayed, and I think that was Genesis 17, if I recollect. Abraham prayed and said, Lord, let Ishmael live forever. Let Ishmael be my heir. When you listen, God immediately countered it and said, in your seed shall Isaac be raised. Because that was not in the plan of God. Are we together? So when we pray something that is not part of the promise of God, God is not bound to answer it. We can go through scriptures from one verse to another and you will understand that everybody that received something in terms of promise, it was not only because they opened their mouth at the right time, they heard the writings, they understood the writings, and they did the writings. Are we together? I'll give you one example. In Matthew, the Bible says that one day Jesus was in the house, and as he was in the house, he was preaching, and there were some people that had their friend. Remember that story? Good. Ask yourself, even though that man himself might not have been able to stand, what will have been his prayer? That God, let me just get to him. Is it not? At that point, his ultimate focus is healing. But in order to get healing, he needed to get to Christ. Let me be very sincere. At that point, I stand to be corrected. But if that guy stood in his house praying for healing, I don't think anything will have happened. But what he would have been praying would have been, God, make a way for me to get to see the master. Are we together? He would have been praying, God, you know I'm handicapped. Send people to help me. How am I going to get there? Did God make a way for him to get to see the master or not? Did God send people to help him or not? Good. Now, when those people helped him, were there obstacles on the way or not? Good. Did he tell them, we have tried, let's go home? Did he? Good. Remember when I said action? I said that the action that you do, which is called faith, if nothing happens, it will embarrass you. Imagine having lifted the... I can't even imagine how it, the, how it looked. But imagine somebody breaks op- open this roof now. And then suddenly they let down their, their person. Number one, that guy didn't have money to repair the roof. <laughs> no, that's the truth. Right? But do you know what happens? When that miracle happened, everybody forgot the roof. If there was no miracle, they would say, the, the roof that you, that you destroyed, please put it back. So when you are praying, brethren, pray that God will put you in the right place. Remember when, they, when Joseph was going to ask that guy, the one that left prison, he said, do what? He said, mention me to Pharaoh. He knew that his next level depended on 
somebody mentioning him to Pharaoh. Brethren, God has promised that you'll be the head. It is true. Somebody might need to mention your name in places that matter. Often we say that it is God that promotes. It is true. But it is men that God uses to promote. And so if God is going to use men to promote, then you need to pray that God, let my main name be mentioned in places that matter. Are we, are, we, are we together? So now, that helps you when you are then praying and saying, God, I know you have promised me this, but I know that that thing is not going to come and find me where I'm sitting. So I don't want to walk blindly. I need direction. If you have direction, will God find a way to lead you to where you need to go? He said that thy word is a what? Is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you pray, God speaks. But when you don't, it doesn't mean that God cannot speak, but God is not bound to speak. And so when God speaks, God always will speak to help you. I have told you the story multiple times. You are driving on the road. God, the Holy Spirit suddenly says, slow down. Will it make sense to you? No. Every instruction that you hear that doesn't make sense, learn to obey them. Uh, let me put a disclaimer. <laughs> because somebody will say, but I heard the voice say I should slap that person. I should, let me put a disclaimer because sometimes we need to be careful. You say, Pastor said I should obey every voice. Uh-huh. I'm not talking of that kind of voice. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> because when God, you see, sometimes I wonder we quote passages is as if we don't believe them. The Bible says that God is a very present help in terms of what? Depending on your translation. Some people say trouble, some people say need, right? Now, do you see every need? You don't. Sometimes you don't even know that you need something. And yet God is is trying to help you before you realize you need it. And because you have not realized that you need it, you refuse the help. Battles that... You have not seen yet. Sometimes they get protracted because you did not listen to the instruction the first time. I'll give you an example. Maybe you're a young boy, you're a young girl, you're trying to marry. And God is saying, the person I'm going to bring to you is five foot seven, this kind of complexion. Sometimes God is good. He will, very, he will describe. And... Uh, Two months has passed, three months has passed, and then you see somebody that is 5'11". He <laughs> said, maybe I didn't hear well. That 5'11", you don't know that the taller the person is, the more trouble there is. I'm not saying tall women have problems, though. <laughs> Neither am I saying tall men have problems. But what I'm saying is that you don't know that 
that 11 is 11 problems. You say, maybe God, maybe I didn't hear well. You go and marry somebody that is five, what? 11, when God already said your wife or your husband is five, seven. Now, what happens? You enter into a battle that you will fight for the remaining part of your life. Will that be the fault of God? No. But was God trying to help you? It doesn't mean that that person is bad. It just means that both of you might not be able to live together. Brethren, when you are praying for God's blessing, remember that ultimately, God determines when the blessing reaches you. And sometimes, you actually determine when the blessing reaches until you get to where you need to be. Are we together? When God speaks, He's so specific in quite a number of situations that He does not do anything else unto you yourself. You do what He requested you to do. I'll give you one example. When God told Abraham, for example, says, Rise and go. I still don't understand why, but when Abraham got there, God said, this is the place. But Abraham still left. And then he wandered around, wandered around, and then when he came back, then God spoke again. Do you think that happens to us now? Yes. You get to a place, God says, this is the place. But the day one thing happens, he said, no, maybe it's not the right place. So when you are confessing and praying a promise of God, brethren, let us be extremely careful. The promise is there. The fulfillment does not so much depend on God. Even as much as God wants to fulfill it, it depends on me. It depends on me being at the right place at what? At the right time. Let me see if I find this. Let's open to the book of Isaiah. Let's open to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. It's a passage that most of us know. I'll read verse 25. It says, I, even I, I am he that what? I blot out your transgressions for who? For my own sake, and I what? I will not remember your sins. Now, if you remember last year, I explained to you that the word to remember there means to bring to recollection with the purpose of doing something. You remember? And so when the Bible says, I will remember them no more, it's saying that even though these things might come back to my recollection, I will choose to do nothing about them. Right? Good. Now, when you then read verse 26, it then says what? Put me in remembrance. Now, when you then put God in remembrance, what are you trying to do? You are trying to get him to act. 
Remembering is useless if there's no action. I've said it multiple times. Every time you see the word remember, the Bible says, and God remembered Noah. He did something after that. And God remembered Sarah. And God remembered every time that God, that the Bible says that God remembered, God does something. And so, instead, because we do claim the promises of God, but the Bible is saying here, all you need to do is to put God in remembrance. God, you promised me that I will be the head and not the tail. And then God will show you that this is the way to walk to the top. You will say, God, you promised me that me and my children shall be for signs and wonders. Then God will show you that this is how you will teach them. The Bible tells us so many promises. It says that by his stripes we were healed. Then God will take you back to Genesis. This is what I told you to eat. Are we together? And so every time you remind God of something, God has a way of also reminding you of his word. Because the answer is already in the word. Now, how do you then, because people often ask the question, how do you then know which promise is for me and which promise is a general promise? My answer is always very simple. The Bible says as many as are the what? Promises of God. If the promise is to the church, is it for you? If the promise is to an individual, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, is that promise for you or not? It is. When, the, when Christ prayed in John chapter 16, it says, And I pray for them that they shall be one. Is that a prayer for you or not? It is. So whenever you see a promise in scripture that goes in line with what God is telling you at that point, better hold on to it. Praying for the promise of God is not something that is difficult. Once you understand that, number one, you need to first of all know what the promise is. Number two, you accept that promise. Number three, you believe that promise. Number four, you begin to confess the promise. In fact, sometimes your believing and confessing has to go back and forth because there will be things that will be coming to tell you that you can't do it. There will be things that will be coming to tell you that it's not for you. And so, when you confess, you believe. The Bible says, Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing. You can hear your own voice. The Bible says, that woman with the issue of blood, she kept saying to herself, if only I can touch the hem of his garment. The Bible says that when David had nobody else to encourage him, the Bible says David did what? Encouraged himself in the Lord. I've told you before, there are some times you need to stand alone. Oh, yes. Your husband may not understand it. Your wife may not understand it. Your parents may not understand it. Your children may not understand it. In fact, let me even take it higher. Your pastor may not understand it. And so you stand alone. 
where you stand alone, then your confession is important. That I am wonderfully and beautifully made. I am a child of God. That the Lord has promised me that my going out will be blessed. My coming in will be blessed. The Lord has promised me that he will bless the work of my hands. The Lord has promised me that I will be the head and not the tail. The Lord has promised me that me and my children shall be for signs and wonders. The Lord has promised me that even when I drink anything deadly, it shall not harm me. The Lord has promised me that everything I lay my hands upon to do will prosper. The Lord has promised me that when I lay my hands upon the sick, they will recover. Has he promised you that? Has he promised you that? And because he has promised us that, it means that he's ready to do it. So remember, you accept the promise. You believe the promise. You confess the promise. Sometimes the confession may scare you. First Kings, I think it was chapter 17 or 18. There has been no rain for how long? Suddenly, a prophet tells the king, no, don't worry, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. When nobody else could hear. <clears throat> it takes a lot of faith to do that. Are we getting it? Because when you say, I hear the abundance, the sound of abundance of rain, better make sure that you heard properly. Because the Bible says that a prophet is known, and the Bible defines Simon, that every word that he said, it came to pass. And that is why I always warn Christians. Don't go around saying God told you. Just say my, my spirit perceived. Are you getting it? And because I've seen, and, and this I say a lot. When you have an argument with a child of God sometimes, or you're trying to give them direction and they don't want to follow, they say it was God that told them. I, I've learned a long time ago. When you say God told you, I wasn't there when God was telling you, I won't argue with it. <laughs> because I've seen when people want to shut you up they say it was God that told me eh? glory be to God I told somebody long ago I said the God that I know he doesn't talk like that <laughs> I'm a little bit more matured now I won't say that now and it was true because that thing did not end well there's a way God talks once you understand how God talks, nobody can deceive you. Amen. And so when you come to me or you go to any man of God that is really a, a child of God, and you say, this is what God said, find out from them exactly what they think. Ah, thank God, we will smile. Say, ah, God bless you. Mm-hmm. I have heard people say before that they prefer God to correct them than for me to correct them. Glory be to God. I said, no problem. I said, it's even difficult for me to correct you. You don't even know. It's difficult. So when you, what's the word now? When you defer to God, that is one less problem that I have. Because every time I have to correct you, I have to practice. Ah, God, how do I say it? You know, we're not in the days of Elijah. We're not in the days of Elijah. We're in the days of the 21st century Christian. Are we, are we together? I've heard the name of the 21st century Christian is Christian. And the name of his wife is Christiana. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
So please, if you are not sure, run it by somebody. The Bible says in the mouth of one or two witnesses, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be established. Let us bow our heads to pray. I want you to talk to God very, very briefly. The Bible says that the time of ignorance that God has overlooked, but it's now calling every man everywhere to repent. It's saying that it's calling everybody to change their ways. Why don't you pray to God and say, Father, as I go forward, oh Lord, teach me the way to go. Teach me how to pray. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Yes, you can pray. I said, God, teach me to pray. I want to pray in line with your promises. I want to pray in line with the blessings that are coming my way. Let's lift up our voice just for one or two minutes and then the choir will give us a rendition. Just pray and say, God, as I'm going into the end of this year, every misunderstanding that I've had in this year, every challenge, every missed opportunity, every promise that has been deferred, every promise that I have not received, pray that the Lord will help you. <laughs> 